though, I want to preach a topic that I've never preached on now in 22 years of ministry. I've never done a full message on this topic. I've, I've preached on it in parts here and there, but I've never done a whole message. And, and honestly, I just want to apologize to our church uh, because there are over 2,000 scriptures about this topic. And as I shared in this series, there's only one other topic that Jesus talks about something and the Bible talks about something over 2,000 times, and that's on the topic of finances. And that's what Jesus talked about. He talked about over 500 times on faith. Uh, he talked a number of times on heaven and hell, but over 2,000 times on finances, and then over 2,000 times on this. And the topic is the poor. The poor. Jesus talks about it, the Old Testament talks about it, Jesus was incredibly passionate about it, and so we're going to talk about the poor, we're going to talk about poverty, because we're really kind of swinging from two different spectrums. In this whole series, we've been talking about generosity and living this generous life, and what it looks like to, to understand that everything we have is from God, and how do we live in a flow, how do, we, how do we be conduits of God's blessings, and as God is generous to us. But I can tell you this, this is what I've learned. Some of the richest people are the most stingiest and some of the poorest people are the most generous. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, this is, and I think there's a reason why the poor are a huge part of God's heart. I'm gonna show you scriptures of this in just a minute. But I wanna talk about that first off nationally. Uh, let me give you just some statistics nationally so you know what the U.S. poverty threshold is, okay? So here is the U.S. poverty threshold to know if someone is living in a place of poverty for one person, a one-person household, the U.S. poverty threshold is 12,490. If you make 12,490 or less, you're living in a place of poverty. Two people is 16,009. Three people is 19,5. Four people is 25,7. Five people is 29,714. Now, here is where it starts getting personal. Because poor, poor and poverty are something that our state knows really well. Unfortunately, way too well. Look at this right here. This is how Louisiana ranks nationally. We are the second highest in poverty. The state of Louisiana is second highest in poverty with 19% of our state. That's over 857,000 Louisianians are living at or below the poverty level. 20%. Think about that. Two out of every 10, 20 out of every 100 that are living in that. We are the second highest in child poverty. With 26.8 of the children in Louisiana are living in some place of poverty. That's 280,000 Louisiana children. Okay, now let's take that. So we looked at it nationally. We looked at it in our state. Now let's take it to our region, our area. Let's see what it's like here. Look at this. Poverty in our parishes. Jefferson Davis Parish right here. How many live in Jeff Davis Parish? If you live in Jeff Davis Parish, a good number of you. That's 17.7% of our people in our parish. That's 5,708 people are living at or below the poverty level. Acadia Parish, who lives in Acadia Parish? Any Acadia Parish people? Crowley, all that, Mermintal, all that area over there, 15,717, 25.2. And then St. Landry, where our Eunice campus is, that's St. Landry, Opelousas, all that there, 32.7%. 26,990 people. Poverty is actually all around us. Of course, we know that it's all around the world. We'll talk about that in just a minute, what it looks like on a global scale. But I, I want to make it personal first because it's here, right here in our own backyard. Some of you may know, have family members that are living in the poverty level. 
The amount of benevolence that we do as a church would be absolutely surprising to you uh, of the amount of people that are in our city. And here's what you'll find out real quickly. Once they know that you're willing to help, everybody knows. Everybody knows. And uh, we, of course, do our best as a church to, to help as many people as we possibly can. But this is a much bigger systemic issue, and we want to talk about it, and I want to talk about it today. And, and, and my prayer, I'm going to just go ahead and just put this out on the table. My prayer is for you to really capture the heart of God that he has for this topic. So I want to share with us three reasons to have a heart for the poor, three reasons to have a heart for the poor. We're going to look throughout scripture. I'm going to give you a a number of scriptures, and then in just a minute, I'm going to invite someone up here, and you're going to hear a real story of this. But the first thing is this, that God has a heart for the poor. Reasons why we need to have a heart for the poor is because God has a heart for the poor. Let me show you a, a number of scriptures here. Deuteronomy chapter 15, 7 through 8, and verse 10, it says this. Everybody, Everybody help me here. It says, but if there are any... Poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, everybody help me with this. What? Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Be what? Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them. Be generous. Be generous. Be generous. And lend them whatever they need. Here we go. Give generously to. Come on, say that again. Give generously to. Not grudgingly. Not grudgingly, and we could go, well, we may go here in just a minute, but give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. And watch this, for the Lord your God, what's he going to do? He's going to bless you in everything that you do. This is, this is literally what this scripture is telling us, is that when you are generous to the poor, God takes notes. God's taking notes. Let me show you another scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 9. Everybody help me. We're going to read these together. The will themselves be for they their food with thee. Proverbs 21, 13. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the will be in their own time of need. Hello. Let's, Let's read that one again. Those who to the cries of the will be In their own time of need. That when we see poverty and we see poor, that we don't shut our eyes and shut our ears and turn our head, but that we are engaged in sharing what we have with those around us. Proverbs 21, 13. Let's let's keep reading. There's 2,000. I'm going to just do about half of them, okay? Okay, maybe... Maybe not as much. All right. Uh, do uh, Galatians 2, 9 through 10. Look, look, it says this. Watch this. They encouraged us. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. Okay, this is the New Testament now. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles. You need to be preaching the good news, the good news of the gospel. While they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion, though, was that we keep on helping the poor. Preach, 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 preach. People need to hear the good news. Share your life, share your testimony, share your story. But just make sure that if you're going to be preaching to people, that you're also meeting the needs. Keep meeting the needs of the poor, which I have always been eager to do. Let me give you one more for this section. Proverbs 19, 17. 
says this, if you, come on, say that again, if you, you are lending to the Lord, and he will, what, this is literally what this is saying, is that the way that we treat the poor determines how God treats us. Just let that sink in for a moment. The way we treat the poor determines how God treats us. If we're generous, God is generous. If we withhold, God withholds. And this is literally what he's saying. When you give to them, you're giving to him. When you're giving to those in need, it is like you are giving to me. One of my favorite stories uh, about my grandfather. My grandfather was probably one of the most generous men I, I've ever known. My, my grandfather tragically died of a heart attack in a, in a bank bathroom in 1995. But one of the stories that I found out about my grandfather, my grandfather was one of those that when he would literally come across somebody who didn't have shoes, he would take his off and give them. They didn't have a coat, he would literally take his off and give it. He was just kind of one of those like shirt off my back, my shoes, like, many people lived with them, opened their home constantly. Uh, and one of these stories I just actually found out recently was a story of how my grandfather and my grandmother were, uh, just had finished church, went out to, to eat lunch, just like, you know, most of us do. When he got to the restaurant, uh, in walked two ladies from the church, and they were both widows, and, uh, and so my grandfather, as he often would very much do, is, is secretly bless people. And so he, uh, he blessed these widows' meals, paid, paid for their meals. They came by the table. They knew it was him, thanked him, uh, and went on their way. What my grandfather didn't know and what my grandmother didn't know was literally just a couple of days later, my grandfather would take his last breath and my grandmother would become a widow. And over the last 27 years, God has increasingly supplied generously to my grandmother as a widow, and I believe it was because he cared for the widows. He was sowing seed that he didn't know that his wife would one day reap just a couple days later. I'm telling you, listen, God takes note when we do things. God takes notes of these so God's heart is for the poor. There's about uh, 1,900 and 900, 1,993 more scriptures we could go through. But since y'all do like lunch and you do love me, I'm going to keep going on. <laughs> we'll keep it that way. So the first reason we should have a heart for the poor is because God has a heart for the poor. The second reason is because every person is valuable in God's sight. Yeah. Every person, how I many know every person is made in the image of God? Every single person. This is what is distinctly different between us and animals. Okay? Listen, when it gets tight, when the budget gets tight, and you've got to make some decisions as to what goes, it's not a decision between your kids and your dog. Now, it may be, and if it does, y'all come up after, and we'll have a little conversation. But, but it's not like, mm, let's keep the cats, you know? See how much we can get for Billy, all right? Like... Right? You don't do that, right? Because why? Because, because as humans, we have increased value 
Because the spirit of the Lord lives inside of us. We are made in the image of God. Our, our animals are not made in the image of God. They do not have spirits. And I know some of that is debatable, and I'm not going there, okay? <laughs> Will they be in heaven? We're not going there, okay? We're not. But I, I want you to hear me very closely that every person has a valuable in God's sight. Every person. Let's look at Proverbs 22, verse 2. says this. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. He is the maker of them all. Nobody is better than anyone else. Every person, rich or poor, is seen by God, valued by God, loved by God, forgiven by God. I mean, no, we are one race, the human race. All right, I mean, no, there is no race above another race. There is no ethnicity above another ethnicity. There's none of that. We are a part of one race, and every race has equal value. Males are not better than females, and are y'all with me here? There's not, there's not rich over poor. There's none of that that's there, and, and one of the things that Jesus did when he showed up on the scene is he brought everyone to equal platforms. Because they would look down at women, they would look down at children, they would look down at Samaritans, and Jesus was always elevating women and elevating children and elevating Samaritans. He was breaking generational barriers and breaking racial barriers and breaking political barriers, and he was breaking financial barriers. And he said, what the world uses to segregate people cannot be the case because every person has equal and unique value by the king. Everyone, everyone, everyone. I liken it to first responders, so grateful for first responders. When you think about when a first responder shows up on the scene of an accident, they don't show up on the scene of an accident and start giving judgment. Well, what happened? Were you drinking? Were you not drinking? Did you, who was driving? Was she driving? He driving? Like, they don't come on the scene and start giving judgment. They show up on the scene and they start giving treatment. Right? And oftentimes, our generosity to people or how we treat people is first formed through a lens of judgment than it is treatment. Well, if you wouldn't have made those decisions, we wouldn't be where you would be. And if you wouldn't have done this and this and this, and so therefore, no, I can't do that. But the way a first responder shows up on the scene, if you are a person in need of help, I'm going to help you. Why? Because you have value. Now, we will get into the systemic issues, but at the moment, I'm going to just treat you as a human being and do what I can to help as much as possible. And so we should have a heart for the poor because God has a heart for the poor. We should have a heart for the poor because every single person has incredible, unique value in the eyes of God. And so today, you are here on a very special Sunday. I'm so grateful that you have come. I know the, the weekend after Thanksgiving can be low, and people are all over. Maybe some of you are watching online today. But it is Compassion Sunday, and if you are, are not aware of Compassion Sunday, Compassion Sunday is a, or Compassion International is a organization that we as a church have partnered with for many, many years, but have kind of relaunched our partnership last year. And their whole mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's their whole goal. Compassion serves the most extreme of the poor throughout the world. 
And you saw the statistic that I had about the U.S. Our national poverty level is about 12,000 or so. That's kind of where the national poverty level is. Compassion works in the areas of extreme poverty where you don't make more than $2 a day. $2 a day is $750 a year. That's, that's, that's the environments that they're in. And they partner with over 7,500 churches all over the world. And last year, we launched Compassion here, relaunched it really here at the church. Um, and our commitment to wanting to be a church that doesn't just help the poor locally and nationally, but also internationally all around the world. And many of you stepped up to the plate in such huge ways. Uh, we're part of that. We had over 90 children sponsored just last year in one Sunday. And so we want to continually put this in front of us as a church and show us what we can do uh, as a church to help that. And so today uh, is a real unique opportunity. We've been kind of preparing for this for a while, but we wanted to bring someone in here that lived in that environment. And so uh, OSC, I'm very excited to welcome Daniel Cross to the stage. Y'all welcome Daniel as he comes up to the stage today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? So good to see you here. Um, but grab a seat right there. Daniel is from the Dominican Republic. I know some of y'all thought maybe Gaydom, but he's uh, Dominican. <laughs> Domin that's the city around here. Uh, he's, he's from the Dominican Republic. Took three flights to get here. Uh, started, on, started on Friday. Finally made his way here. Delay after delay, but the Lord has him here today. And Amen. so we're really excited to have him here. So, Daniel, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Pastor, for having me here. It's a huge honor. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed by, by what God is doing with this church. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, uh, I, I, want, I, I want you to just kind of paint a picture here to the church a little bit about the Dominican Republic. What was it like living there? He still lives there now, of course. Um, but give us a little bit of just... An insight, if we were to be there um, with you in those younger years and, and just what the Dominican is like, give us, a, give us a snapshot of that. Well, it all depends if you go to a resort, you're going to a nice place. Punta Cana. Punta Cana, <laughs> for example. I didn't was born in Punta Cana, <laughs> unfortunately. So I grew up in a place, Pastor, called Salsi Puedes. Salsi Puedes is a word in Spanish which means get out of there if you can. Get out of there. <laughs> it sounds funny. I know it sounds funny, but it's not funny for me and for my family because the reason what, what they say that they call the place Salsi Puedes is because, you know, for many people living there, it will be impossible to get out of there. Mm. And, and it's because of the darkness that place implies. Uh, if I take you there right now, you'll see children transporting drugs. Uh, and, and the sad part of it, uh, Pastor, is that um, those children are being used by adults to do that because the police can stop them by and, and say, uh, let's, let's do an, an inspection or something. So you see uh, teenage girls uh, being used for prostitution, um, vandalism. Uh, for example, Pastor, the other day, she was seven years old. She got shot because two gangs were uh, 
fighting mm. against each other. And it was, it was not um, like they didn't want to do it, but it, it just happened. And I was, when I was living there, that was the kind of thing that I, that I was facing. And not only me, me and my family. And, and, and you know, for a six-year-old guy, uh, face that kind of reality is, uh, you know, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. And I can, I can tell you, like, um, living there, our house, every time it rained, the, the water seeped in because, because of the roof. And, and, you know, a lot of holes we have to move all, all, all around. And, and I don't know if you can, uh, you guys can show up something from, from the neighborhood. Uh, that is Salsi Puedes. And, and it is, it's looking better right now because that, that was taken uh, this week. I okay. went there and I, and I went with my camera and I, and I shoot those videos. Okay. So imagine when I was six years old, that was uh, even worse, to be honest. Now, you were telling me earlier that your dad uh, was a pastor. And tell a little bit of that story there because I think that really sets up why you guys were even in this type of environment. So, Well, the, the, the truth about this is we didn't... I didn't was born in poverty, uh, but uh, when I was three, my father had a calling from God to move to a poor area. And, you know, I don't usually share that in churches because people nowadays, they understand that kind of calling, like to give up everything and just move there and, 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 and do that kind of thing. But the pastor asked me to, uh, to share that, and, and I'm humbled to, to do to do so. So we went to Mocha, which is in the north part of the country, and you know, we were doing good, a nice house in, 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 in the city we were living, but when we moved, then we just serving there, there them and, and using our savings for giving or uh, to pay uh, anything. We just... Hmm. We just ended up living in poverty, Pastor. And, and, and yeah. So, so for y'all to understand, they were not living originally in a place of poverty. His father gets a call from the Lord to, to, to be a pastor and a call to pastor in the poor community. So they move from a place of, of enough to right into the heart of poverty. And, of course, then them themselves. I mean, when you're leading a church of poor... You, you, don't, you yourself are now in a place of poverty. So they grew up in a place of poverty. Really, it's a picture of Jesus, by the way. Uh, how many know Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that we could, we could be rich? I think it's an incredible story of that. Now, um, you, so y'all were in that. Y'all were in that type of environment. You were ministering to you and your family. Your father and your mother were ministering to people in that, uh, in that neighborhood. Tell us where compassion intersected in your life and how all that came about? Well, um, we first started Compassion with scholarships. They were offering scholarships for those uh, who were needing to go to a school, uh, children living in poverty and the family couldn't afford uh, uh, the school. So they were offering scholarship. But to be honest, I was four years old. I, I didn't know who was paying my school. I thought it was my my 
father or mm -hmm. my mother, I couldn't understand what compassion was doing in my life. And, and you know, the, and, and before I go ahead and talk about that, could you please show that picture? I want to I wanna say something about that. Yeah, let's see it. Before we, we move forward. That's my mom. That's my brother. That's the backyard. And those cans right there, Pastor, I used to play drums there. Really? So I was so patient, Is that, yeah. is that, that's what you say, to play drums, to, to learn music. But, um, you know, the reality of living in poverty is that uh, you just have time to survive. There's no time to, to have dreams. Like, there's no hope. Like, I just was practicing. If I mean, if you want to practice how to play drums, you just come here or go to a school and you see drums there and, and instruments and things like that. But living in, an, in the neighborhood, that was the best drum that, that I had. That was your drum kit you know? right there. And, and my mother was, like, for many years giving us haircut because we couldn't afford to go to a barber shop or, or something like that. First time I got, a, I got a haircut, I was, like, I can remember the age, but everybody was asking me, man, you look... There's something in you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I got my first haircut. My mom ain't cut my, my hair no more. <laughs> she didn't do it no more. You're looking good, man. <laughs> so then, you know, um, that opportunity to go to a school and go to the project uh, was fantastic. But then when I was seven, they created something that they called the Compassion Center. And I, instead of giving just scholarships and 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 for regular education, they have a center where they can teach you the Bible, how to pray, how to make a relationship with God, a real relationship, how to get in contact with something that I, I always say this, uh, Pastor, living in, in, in that kind of neighborhood, you hear the voice of the devil whispering, mm. be a thief, mm. be a, a, a murder, and, and that is just... that. Th that keeps playing in your head. And when you, when you go to that, this type of center, of the compassion center, you see something else. Mm. Because you think your neighborhood is everything. You don't see anything else. You know, you see prostitution, vandalism, and, and that's what you think the war is all about. Then when we got to the project, to the center, we got in contact with computers. The project was the first place in our town with computers. First time I used the internet was with, with the computer. And as I was sharing with you, YouTube was not the same. Like yeah. back in the days, YouTube, if you go, if you went to YouTube, you will see people from New York, from all the part of the, of the, of the globe. And you'll see, man, there's something else. There's another country. There's, there's another opportunity. It's not my neighborhood. And, and being at the project, I found my passion for music. Yeah. The first time I, I got to, to, to play an instrument, uh, first time I got uh, like education in all the areas that gave, gave me uh, what the neighborhood was stealing me, that was hope. Mm. When you see that kind of opportunity, you see hope. There's something else to, to, to follow up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So you you got your first real drum set at Compassion? You got you got yeah. look at that. Yeah, yeah. It was the first that's not the the center. That 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 is one of the churches. But um the first time I got a, a, a um, let's say, a class of how to play the drums at the project, yeah. they, had a, uh, they, were, they donated the drums to the church. So we, I could go every time I, I, I wanted to go. I was practicing hours there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, all the neighbors were angry because of the, <laughs> of the noise. But I was, I was having a great time. <laughs> you were excited. <laughs> Now, tell us a little bit about uh, your sponsors, because you had a sponsor that sponsored you, and then maybe just some stories of, of, of the sponsorship, because there's a number. Of, how many of you in here are currently already sponsoring someone? Raise your hand, just so people can see, so we got a number of people that are already here. Tell, tell them from your perspective, because you've been in Compassion since you were seven years old, went all the way, raised all the way through it, so letters, all of that. What was that for you, and then maybe some stories that you've, you have encountered with that? I always say that being a sponsor is an opportunity to do ministry. Mm. It's a given thing I know, I understand it, but it's an opportunity to do business, sometimes to do uh, um, uh, ministry. Sometimes we, we, we pray God and we say, God, I'm here, send me. Mm. God, I'm here, use me. And sometimes the opportunity passes by and we just so distract that we don't see what is God telling us to do? And when, when you sponsor a child, being able to communicate with them through letters and being able to say, you know what, I care about you. You are someone. Uh, we hear the weather is chilly. Uh, uh, we're having a great time. Like sometimes people come to me saying, man, I don't know how to write to my sponsor child. And I say, man. Only watching a picture or you telling, telling them, I'm going to college, I'm on my way to college, I'm here listening to this song, that is amazing because they see that like something impossible. Mm. And then when they, when they see someone doing that, they, they just realize, man, it's possible to go to college. Yeah. It's possible to, to, to have a car to listen to music. Yeah. It's possible to have uh, a family. And, and, for example, in my case, uh, me watching pictures of my sponsor, uh, sponsor uh, son, uh, he had a, a, a snake as a, as a pet. Mm. And I was showing up that in the whole neighborhood. Showing everybody. <laughs> my sponsor has a snake. It's amazing. <laughs> you see? He's my sponsor. You see? I have a sponsor, man. And that kind of thing, you don't, you don't think about that because you don't know what they're lacking. But the simple things just make a big difference. And, and, I, and, I want you, and I want you to know this. I know a, friend, a good friend of mine from the Dominican Republic. His name is Jonathan. Um, he didn't grow up with his biological father. And he was, uh, it was his birthday. He was turning 15. And then his mom told him, uh, Jonathan, uh, your father is waiting for you outside. He couldn't understand why he was living in a neighborhood and his father is driving a car, looking different. Like, yeah. And she told him, just go outside. He's, he want to he wanna talk to you. 
And he was excited because he's, he, he, he thought, he, oh, well, he's going to, to take me to somewhere uh, nice or to do, to do something nice. And when, when he, he uh, got on, on that car, his father say, said, um, Jonathan, I was waiting for 15 years to tell you that you were a mistake in my life. Because I, I, I couldn't say it before because I thought you were not enough mature, mature for listening to this. Mm. And this is, a, this, is a, this is the reason why I don't live with you and your mom. You need to understand that. And that was his birthday. He just got out of that car and he went back to, to his house. So I say that for you to understand how how uh, great the like how big the frustration was for for that for that child, and at that moment, every time a sponsor write a letter, we got it three months after because of the mail system uh, yeah. by the, by that time, and three days after that, he got a letter for, from his sponsor saying, Jonathan. The weather is like this. We're doing this. We're doing that. We are proud of you. Blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the letter, she said, even though your mother and your father has, has forsaken you, God will lift you up. So you see, a simple letter can do a big difference. Come on. Come on. And you don't. I don't know if y'all realize, but you caught that. When you send a letter, it usually takes three months to get to them. So the fact that three months prior this letter was written and got to him three days after his father had had this conversation with him is all God. That's all God. It's all God. Um, it's a powerful story. Daniel, tell us a little bit of... If people in here are kind of on that fence of, man, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I should with the sponsoring thing, what, what would, you, from your perspective, what would you tell someone? Why is it so important for us as a church to be engaged with this? Well, I can talk about my, my own testimony. Like, is it worth it to a sponsor a child living in poverty? Is it, is it going to make a huge impact? So you, you can play the video right now. Uh, what I can say is that you remember myself trying to practice in a, in, in a couple of camps how to play drums. I went to college for music education. I went to the National Conservatory of Music. I was invited, invited from the scholarship department of Berkeley College of Music, the most prestigious college of music around the world because of my compositions. But that's not, not important. What is important here is that I'm now producing music for kids living in poverty. So we're using, <laughs> praise God for that. We're using the Bible, we're making songs. We're using the, the curriculum, they use in compassion. We make music, we make videos, and, that, and now we're teaching thousands of children living mm. in poverty through that. That guy that saw my packet, that saw, that, that saw my face there, 
he didn't know mm. what was going to be the end result of that. Yeah. He just, this is about faith, guys. You can see the future. That's, that, that is why the future, our future is on God. Yeah. Because we can see it. We just need to believe that we can change people's lives. And, I, and I've heard some testimonies from this church already of people being transformed by God. So I just, I'm amazed of the way that people just get up, get up the chair and say, I want to do it. Yeah. I want to sponsor a child. So what I, can, what I can tell you, if you can do it right now, you can pray for them. You can ask God, is this what you want me to do? And like I said, being here took me three airplanes and it's going to take me three airplanes to go back. And you want me to be honest with you guys. I don't need to be here. I'm doing good. I have a company. I'm, 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 I'm running a business. I'm doing good. But the reason that keep me doing that, that kind of thing is that one day I pray, God, I'm here. Mm. Use me. Mm. So now that he wants me, to do it, I will do it every single time I need to do it. And I encourage you to do it, not, not, not with compassion, with any opportunity that you have to serve God, Come on. serve God and serve God well, Come on. Because, because he pays and he pays well. Come on. Come on. This actually leads to my last and final point of why we need to be, have a heart for the poor. It's not only that God has a heart for the poor, and it's not only that they have value, but this third point is this, because we too once were poor and God made us rich. That's it. Look at 1 Corinthians 8, 9. Look at this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sake, he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Whether you know it or not, I mean, outside of Christ, we're poor. The thing that I love the most about compassion is not that their heart is just to feed children that are, that are physically poor, but to make them poor, not uh, make them rich, not only in the areas of physical needs, but make them rich in the areas of spiritual needs. Because how many know if you get food, but you don't get Jesus, you lost. But if you get Jesus, he will provide everything else that you need. I mean, that is literally your story. Your family's story, the legacy of your family, of your father who was, who lived a, was living a good life. What's rich? And for the sake of those people became poor. And through your father's poverty and your family's poverty, helping the people of that neighborhood get rich. But not realizing that the seeds that he was planting was going to make his son rich. 
was going to create an opportunity for that. And for all of us in here, how many know, apart from Christ, we are ourselves are poor. We are all poor. But if it wasn't for the amazing grace of God, we were spiritual beggars. But because of Jesus, he's made us, come on, not only his own, but he's made us, I mean, we're, we're sons and daughters of the king. When I think about that, we, we, we were clothed with filthy rags and Jesus came and he gave us his robes of righteousness. This is the story of how we were. We were starving and he feeds us the breath of life. We had nothing, but because of Christ, we have everything. And when we understand what he's done for us, when you truly understand it, when people have an issue with being generous, it's because they have forgotten where they were. Literally. Generosity overflows from a place of realizing that I too was once poor. And what I have today is because of Christ. When I forget that, I start getting stingy because I think what I have is what I made. And when we realize that the, that the heart of the gospel is that what Christ has done for us, we do for others. As you said, you didn't have to be here today. For those that don't know, actually, Daniel wasn't even actually supposed to be here today. Jonathan, the story he shared, he was supposed to be here today. Jonathan got COVID a couple days ago. Yeah. And, and Daniel stepped up and said, I'll go. Um, and he came. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I want to read one final scripture, and then I want to bring us to our, 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 our last call to action here. First John, look at this. First John 3, 16 through 18. And, and, and I want us to read this together. Look at this. It says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. You know, as I said earlier, in, in, the, in the U.S., we, we have about 19% that live in the poverty level. We have chosen as a church to, to go after the country of Guatemala. That's, been kind of, that's just been the one that God's put on our heart. And I want to show you this. 53% of their country lives below the poverty level. And they are the fourth highest rate of chronic malnutrition in the world. This is, this is the reality of this place. And so we have partnered with, not only with Compassion, but I'm gonna tell you what I, what I absolutely love the most about Compassion is not only the Christ-centered, which of course is the core value of our church, but they're church-based, meaning that they will not start a center unless there's a church that's facilitating it all. Because Compassion doesn't wanna be the heroes, they wanna make the church the hero. Because I mean, oh, the church is with the poor. The church is in the community. The church knows the needs. The church is with the family. And so uh, when we're partnering with Compassion, we're actually really partnering with a local church and a pastor and a, and a team of volunteers who are caring for people much like Daniel was. And, and, and so there's a church in Guatemala that we partner with called Grace Showers Church. They, they currently serve about 300 children um, and a lot of that, and over 90 of them, was because of you. They were at about 210 last year, and then many of you stepped up to the plate. But there are currently another 60 children that they want to they start sponsoring. They're adding on to, 
to be a part of it. And so uh, today we are launching it not only here at Jennings campus, but we're also launching it at the Eunice campus and at the Crowley campus, and we're all together going to be a part of this. And uh, I am not going to mince words here. I want you to sponsor a child. I want you to. Your family, your children, I want you to be a part of it. It's about $1.25 a day. Most of us could probably go in our vehicles right now and get $1.25 worth of change. Uh, my family went out to eat yesterday. It costs way more than $38. Way more than $38. And I think that it is an opportunity for us to do what that verse says, to not just say it, but to, to show it. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to call all of us to respond to this. Maybe you already like already got one. Maybe you want to go now for two. My wife and I, we've, we adopted a little girl. We finally have a daughter. <laughs> Everybody in here is like, y'all need a daughter. I have one. She's in Guatemala, okay, y'all? Her name's Everilda. <laughs> She's seven years old. And uh, I, I want to say thank you to so many of you who have already stepped up to the plate. And I want to say thank you because I know so many of you will step up to the plate. Uh, as you walk out this door in just a minute, you, you've already probably saw the tables as you walk in. I want you to go and you can peruse the table and look at it and just really begin to pray and ask. Here's the question. The question that we've all got to ask is, are we willing to do for others what Christ has done for us? Are we willing to do for the next Daniel? And that's the, kind of the walk of faith, right? Because we're planting seeds and you don't know how that's going to return. But that's a part of the life of faith. We're planting seeds in that. Um, so you can go out there. If you're here in, 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 the, in the, the room, you can go out there and walk and, and look at the table. Daniel's going to be out there. You can talk with him and hang out. If you're online or if you're here and you've got jet out, you can text OSC Compassion in 94,000. And a, and a link is going to get sent to you. And you can click that link. And that link is, is a dedicated webpage that we have for all of the children at that church that we're sponsoring. So you can send it to any people. Maybe there's other people that you know that would want to be a part of it. Um, you can text this. You can use this QR code as well. And uh, if you go on our website, it's on there. If you go on our app, actually, right now, it's on there. So we've got a bunch of different places that you can go and check all of this stuff out. Um, but, but I want to read one last little quote from Robert uh, Murray McShane. Many of you maybe have heard of the, of the McShane Bible Plan. He's got a Bible plan, the McShane Bible Plan. He was, a, he was a pastor and preacher in the 1800s, and he, and he preached a sermon in, in the 1830s, and the sermon was called, It's More Blessed to Give Than to Receive. That was the title of the sermon. I'm going to read this quote to you, and then I'm going to pray for us, and I want to call us into action here. But, but listen to this quote. This quote was, was said in 1830, okay? Just think about just how long ago this was, almost 200 years ago. And it says this. Let's put that quote up. It says this. Christ is glorious and happy. Uh, actually, go to the beginning of this. Do you have the beginning of this, of this? I'll read it then if we don't have it. It says this. There we go. Now, dear Christians, some of you pray to be made in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. Objection. My money is my own. Answer. Christ might have said, well, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Then where should we have been? Objection, the poor are undeserving. If they would have just made the right decisions, they wouldn't be in this place. Answer, Christ might have said the same thing. They're wicked rebels against my father's law. Shall I lay down my life for these? But no, 
He gave his blood for the undeserving. Oh, my dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the poor, the thankless, and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so you will be. It is not your money I want, but your happiness. Remember his own words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we love you. God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to be engaged in where your heart is. God, if we want to know where your heart is, there's over 2,000 scriptures that tell us exactly where your heart is. So God, I pray that today that you would not only just speak to us, but you would call us to a place of action. God, we thank you for Daniel. God, we thank you for his story that gives us encouragement, gives us faith. And Lord, we pray pray the blessings of God upon him. God, we thank you that at a young age you saw him. God, as he was beaten on those cans, Lord, that, that there was a call of God on his life, and little did he know that you were orchestrating things for his life. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunities now that he's walking into that call. Lord, to now be a blessing to so many thousands and thousands of other children, God, that he will be now using his gifts. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that for every person here that's in this room, those that are watching online right now, God, that you would do a stirring in our own hearts to realize, Lord, that we too can be a part of what you're doing here, not only in our local region, but all around the world. God, give us eyes to see people as you see them. Give us ears to hear people. God, may we not close our ears or close our eyes to the needs of those around us. Lord, first starting in our own homes, starting in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. God, as we come across these needs, Lord, let us respond as you would respond. Give us eyes to see as you see, ears to hear as you hear, and hands to serve as you serve. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you have entrusted to us. God, as we've been been praying and believing in this series that it would not just get to us, but that it would get through us so we can be a blessing to those around us. And thank you, Lord, that you take note in your word promises that you will repay. God, whether it's here in this life or in the life to come, Lord, we do it for you and for your glory and for your honor. So, Lord, today I pray your blessings over your people. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use this church, Lord, to be a fountain of blessings to so many. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.